From Schwartz Media, I'm Ange McCormack. This is 7am. When Beirut's Bouchani first wrote about life on Manus Island for the Saturday paper in 2016, he described it as an island of the damned. During the six years he spent there, he wrote articles via WhatsApp documenting the horrors of his everyday life under Australia's inhumane offshore detention regime. Now, Beirut is free. Australia never accepted him, but four years ago, New Zealand did, and that's where he lives now. Today, writer and human rights advocate Beirut Bouchani on why Australia needs a royal commission into immigration detention and the secrets that would be exposed if we held one. It's Friday, December 15. And a warning, this episode contains discussion of suicide and self-harm. Beirut, Peter Dutton once said that you would never set foot in Australia, but since then you've not only spent time here, but you've travelled to Canberra, you've been inside Parliament House, and recently you were calling for a royal commission into the Australian detention system. You said it was a surreal moment for you. Can you take me back to that day and tell me why it felt surreal? Generally, always is surreal to be in the parliament because it is a place that, at least over the past two decades, that place has done a lot against refugees. And, you know, in Australia, everyone knows that both major parties have been involved in this so that's why I think any time that I go there, I find it surreal because they say that I cannot come to Australia, but it's quite paradoxical as well. 30 years of this regime built on the idea of indefinite and arbitrary detention, regardless of where you've come from, your age, your status, has caused immense damage to both our country's reputation and human lives. So recently I visited the Canberra. In the parliament I met with some senators alongside some other advocates who actually they started the campaign and they organized it. It's past time we held ourselves to account and not only reformed our policies, but allowed a Royal Commission to finally tell the whole story. And some other refugees were there from Nauru, from Manus Island. What we need, that Royal Commission to investigate is the history of this tragedy and officially acknowledge this tragedy. That is important. And we just talk about it, why Royal Commission is important and why we are calling for Royal Commission to be involved in this detention system. Doesn't matter how long this campaign is going on, doesn't matter how long we should fight for this, but I want to say that we will chase those criminals. I call them criminals because they committed the crime. They violated our human rights and they created a tragedy. So that's I am a person that I've been able to write some other refugees and people who've been working with refugees. But everyone haven't had this chance or, I don't know, capacity to express themselves, to talk about it. So I think Royal Commission can uh, 
create a space for these people who've been ignored. Why do you think we need a royal commission exactly? What questions do you want that process to answer or uncover? Yeah, you know, uh, for people who follow this case, they know that this system already exposed in many ways. People in Australia have heard about this. It's possible they ignore it, but they hear about it. Mm. We know a lot about this system, especially the refugees. We know the level of this tragedy, but still we don't know a lot. What happens to refugees and asylum seekers at the hands of the Australian government here on the remote Pacific island of Nauru has long been a closely guarded secret. Especially those people who've been killed under this system. I think we haven't had an independent investigation towards those deaths. 23-year-old Omid Masumali set his clothes on fire in the presence of UN refugee officials on Nauru in April 2016. He died in a Brisbane hospital shortly after being medevaced from the island. Faisal Ishak Ahmed collapsed on Manus Island but died in a Brisbane hospital yesterday. The body of 28-year-old Hamid Shimshiripur was found on Monday near the island's main town. Police say the death appears to be suicide. Some of the refugees said Hamid died. Some of them, they said Hamid killed himself. So still we don't know that's really what's happened for him. This tragedy that we are talking about is not recognized officially in this country. So still the major parties deny it, they ignore it, and they don't want to talk about it. So that is, I think, for the families, that is really important. And of course, it's very painful for them. But when they feel that they've been here by Australian official, they've been here by public, I think that is a way to deal with this pain. And also, alongside the human rights issue, which is really important, is the companies, the security companies, the medical companies like IHMS, these companies that have been a part of this system and they made a huge money, I mean, they, they won big contracts. So we should know about these contracts and we should know about the, how they spend this money and about the corruption, about who's benefited of these contracts. That is, I think, really important. Right, because the contracts that were awarded to run immigration detention, that's all public money that was spent on this. So you're saying exactly, there's yeah. a, a public interest to know how exactly that was spent and what happened inside that system. Exactly. Because in Australia, it's not only about some companies. It's a detention industry. So in this country, an industry has established. That's why I think Royal Commission can expose this to the public. We refugees know that. But people don't know it, you know. So that's why I think it's really important. Yeah, a royal commission would 
give people a voice. It would be a mission to find out some truths and also possibly have some accountability on exactly. on, on yeah. governments. Exactly. Would you also hope that a royal commission sparks a bigger cultural conversation in Australia among the public about Australia's hardline immigration policy and and the attitudes that we have about refugees in this country? Definitely. I think calling for royal commission itself, I think, is important because that already creates a conversation now that I'm here, we are talking about this, mm. you know. So that already created a conversation among people. But to be honest, I am not really optimistic about human rights issues in this country. I think the big shock for Australian public is not the tragedy itself. It will be about money the way they spend this money, the level of corruption. What I've learned in this country is that people pay uh, attention or care about money more than human rights. That is my experience. After the break, the competition of cruelty between the major parties in Australia. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for. Please, <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro therapy on yeah, yeah, if, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. As a a. 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Beru's debate around refugees and immigration detention has been in the news recently again in Australia. And the style of that debate was at times ugly and quite racist. As someone who was once the sort of subject of this debate, how do you reflect on the same type of discussion flaring up once again over this High Court decision and and what followed from that? Yeah, that's, uh, I call it the competition of cruelty by these major parties because uh, these two main parties in Australia, they always been trying to send a message to Australian people that we are cruel than another party. You should trust in us, you know. Uh, what we have here is a full court, high court decision that tells us that the Australian government cannot detain people on the basis that was occurring before. That is the And also it's quite interesting the way that these major parties reacted to the high court decision. It was quite ridiculous because they did it in a very short time and the way they did it just manipulate the rule, manipulate the 
high court uh, decision and also undermine high court. If it were up to me, all of these people would still be in detention. That is why they were continuing to be detained when the high court made its call. Some of these people have done deplorable, disgusting things, and I do not want these people in our country. But I think the winner of this is uh, someone like Peter Dutton because he has been successful to dominate Labour Party and also not only Labour Party, dominate the media as well. Well, let's look at uh, federal issues. Labour is looking to seize back control of the narrative on migration after the detainee debacle. He came across this policy by going through the documents of Peter, Peter Dutton. So everyone actually followed his thought, everyone been quite passive in front of him. Peter Dutton is just about the the Prime Minister of Australia in opposition. He's been successful to criminalise the narrative of refugees in this country and unfortunately the media has been using the same language created by someone like Peter Dutton to criminalise the refugees. And these are people with adverse security assessments, so national security risks, murderers, rapists, pedophiles, as I point out, the most serious of offenders against Australian citizens. Not just are we talking about the 84 out now and the eight about to be released, we're now talking about a pipeline of 340 people and potentially more beyond that. Potentially more beyond that. And, you know, if you look at the titles of the stories about refugees, the reports about refugees, it's really dangerous because refugees is a big community. They've been a part of this country for decades and they've uh, criminalized this narrative. And the politicians are able to punish refugees. Why do you think Australia grapples with human rights issues and, and confronting them? Or, or why is this sense of apathy, as you've kind of described it? You know, this is a big question, this, and has a general answer. Of course, it's related to history of colonialism in this country, the way that there is a, like a pattern of violence in this country that always repeats itself and always target different group of people. And also is related to the image of refugees, the refugees who've been dehumanized for decades in this country, and also how violence has become normal in this country. They normalized keeping people in indefinite detention. It's normal to keep people in detention for 10 years, And it's normal to produce violence, uh, damage people, and just get away of it. And say that we didn't do it or, you know, it's not our responsibility. And now we see with refugees who are in Port Mosby, you know, they've been there for 10 years. So, of course, even when people get freedom, get released, I think it will be very difficult for them to recover. I think that is a big concern. But now that I'm talking with you, still 60 people are there. Mm. Of course, they are just struggling, they are suffering. And Australia said that we are not responsible. 
but you are responsible so generally i think it's very related to uh, history of australia it can be a recent history as well that system has been has become more sophisticated more uh, complicated so it's like a machine of violence we have in this country Beirut thanks so much for your time it's my pleasure thank you Hey, thanks so much, Beirut, for actually coming into the studio. I know it's your first time coming into the building here at Schwartz, and it is really great to have you here, especially for our last regular episode of 2023. Thank you very much. I just want to acknowledge, you know, it's a kind of acknowledgement for me. I remember one of the first articles that I published under my real name, I think it was in 2016 or 15, that I published in the Saturday paper, it, the title was Life in Manus mm. Prism. That was one of the first article. But generally, I think the Saturday paper alongside Guardian and some others, they've done a great job you right. know, in terms of you know, exposing this system. It's not only with the Saturday paper, there are some other yeah. places in Australia, but when, you know, when I visit those places, yeah, that remind me of a long, journey and fight. As a a. 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Also in the news today, journalist Lisa Wilkinson has told the court in the Bruce Lerman defamation trial that her speech at the Logies before the scheduled criminal trial did imply she believed Brittany Higgins was telling the truth. The speech led the judge to delay the trial, but Wilkinson vehemently denied she was motivated by pride and ego in giving the speech. And Kathleen Folbig, who was released from jail earlier this year after an inquiry found new evidence showing she did not murder her four young children, has had another victory in the effort to clear her name. Yesterday, the New South Wales Court of Criminal Appeal found Folbig's convictions should be overturned. After the decision, her lawyer said Folbig will seek compensation for the 20 years she spent in prison. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Zoltan Fetcho and Shane Anderson. Our senior producer is Chris Dengate. Our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Our editor is Scott Mitchell. Sarah McVie is our head of audio. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Mixing by Andy Elston, Travis Evans and Atticus Basto. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. I'm Ange McCormack and this was our last regular 7am episode of 2023. So from all of us at the team, thank you so much for listening this year. It's really a pleasure and a privilege to make this show for you every day. 
Over summer, we'll be sharing our favourite episodes of the year with new introductions and reflections on how they were made, as well as our favourite episodes of The Weekend Read and Read This. I'll be back with you on 7am from January 15. See you then.